Amen. Amen. What a great morning so far, isn't it? Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, we welcome everyone online, of course, as well. But why don't you just say a high five to someone as you take your seats and say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I just get myself comfortable. Okay. And so we are, as Pastor Jason explained, we are starting our new campaign today. And so I thought... Before we go into it, let's look at the foundation of where we get this scripture from. And usually I like to ad-lib and, and tell us and take us through a story of scripture. But this, I think if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. So if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to the book of Genesis and we're going to start at chapter 22, verse 1. And I'm going to read it. It's a bit big a portion today, but it's good to sit in the house of God and actually read the Bible, isn't it? Amen. Okay, are you there? Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and I love this, Abraham instantly says, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, you know, the one who you love. And if you didn't get it, Isaac, can there be no mistake, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. He loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. You see, there are some places where we can't take the crowd. Some places God asks us to do stuff and we've got to do it alone. We'll go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. There's the fire and there's the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord intercepted, thank goodness, and called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do anything to him. Now that I know you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it, and burnt as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place Jehovah. Jireh, the Lord will provide. 
And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord that it will be provided. So that's where we get that that word from, Jehovah Jireh. It was a name of God that Abraham had revelation of on that day, on that mountain. But as with God's names, it reflects his character to us today. So that here in Elam Church, Northampton, we can still claim that same characteristic, that same name of God, that same revelation, that God is my Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord who is enough. He is the Lord that provides. But did you ever think it came from such a story as that? As we go through this story, there are some things I'm going to point out. And the first thing is that there was an ask, the ask. There are times in our lives where we're going through life and just as Abraham was, he was just doing his stuff, doing his life, doing his business. But then God broke in and he broke in with an ask. But the ask that he broke in with was, it was beyond belief. In fact, as I read it, Take your son, your only son, your promised, your long-awaited son, the one who you love so much, Isaac, and go over there to a mountain region and, and sacrifice him? Surely not, Lord. Surely this ask that you're asking me to do is, is beyond what I can do. It's, surely it's not your character. Surely it's not what is holy and pure. It's ridiculous. It's incomprehensible. It's beyond my imagine. You know, Abraham lived at this time in a culture, a Canaanite culture, and they regularly, unfortunately, sacrificed their children to appease the gods that they believed in. So his neighbours might not have thought anything else about it, but Abraham, in his heart, Deep within his soul, he knew this was not something that his God would condone or really truly ask for. There must be another meaning to it. You see, we don't live in this world according to the culture of this world. We live in this world according to the culture of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we don't want to go along with what the rest of society is doing, but we want to stand apart and we want to do things so differently because we want to know the character of God. And when we're asked to do some stuff in the world, we want to question and say, Lord, is that your character? Lord, is that something you would ask of us? But you might say to me, but Linda, it's written in the Bible. We've just read it that God has asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. It's in plain English for us to see. But the sacrifice that God was asking for, the sacrifice that God was looking for from Abraham was a surrendering of something that was so precious to him. Surrendering and laying down on the altar of something that was so big in his life that was it before God and God needed to test his heart. He didn't want his son to die, but he wanted Abraham's heart. It was a sacrifice. When we sacrifice stuff, It's usually for a greater good. When we sacrifice or surrender stuff, we're giving something up for a higher purpose, a higher value. And in this case, God was about to take Abraham into a deeper, closer relationship with him. 
In fact, there was a, a bigger purpose that Abraham couldn't see or understand right now. And so I could really understand that he would grapple with this. You see, Abraham knew that, that God was friendly. He was called the friend of God. He knew him. He journeyed through life with him through so much stuff, through miracles, and he trusted him implicitly. So much so that he was willing to obey the ask. Even though this was the promise, his son was the promise from God. Even though it's something good that God had given him, he was willing to lay that thing down because God had asked for it back. It was a test of his heart. You know, when we take tests or exams, they are not there to catch us out, but they are there to promote us to a higher place. I don't know about you, but if I go to the doctor or to a surgeon, I want to know that they've passed their tests, that they've passed their exams. If I want to go to a mechanic, I want to make sure that they've, they've done all the things they need to do and learn and they've got a certificate. If I have a gas man out, which we did this week, I want to know he's got a certificate, that he knows what he's doing, that he's passed the test, that he's done the exams and I can trust him. Abraham could trust God. And God now wants to test Abraham to see if he can test Abraham before he takes him to a higher place, to a higher journey. And if you don't believe me that God tests us, actually he starts off with, why don't you test me? We've just talked about tithing, even in these seasons that we're in. In Malachi 3.10 it says, God is saying to us, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In other words, everything that I've laid out for you to give to me, bring it to the local church where you are fed. That there may be food in my house so that my house will not fail, even in these times. And then God says these words, test me in this and see, just see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you cannot contain it. Many, many years ago, as I started my Christian walk, I read this scripture because I was struggling with giving to God. And yet when I read this, I thought, you're asking me, Lord, to test you. <laughs> I like this. So as I started to tithe, a little by little, because I had little faith at the time and I had big bills. But as I started to tithe in the little, and then I seemed to get through easily to the bills. And then I seemed to be living in a surplus. And yet my situation, circumstances hadn't changed apart from I started to obey the word of God. You see, God was asking me, come on, test me, Linda. Test me. I won't let you down. You can trust me. Just get everything lined up. Just get things in order. Just do as my word tells you to do. And so God asks us to test him. But then later on I read that David, remember David, he says, search me, Lord. Examine my heart, Lord. God, and know if there is anything offensive within me. Know my anxious thoughts. Have we ever done that lately? Have we ever asked God to test us, to examine us? And when, we, when we, something is tested, it's, it's almost like when you put gold through a fiery furnace, as you put the gold in its, in its, in its um, original state, you put it through the furnace and then the, the heat tests it and refines it and melts away all the dirt and the dross and then it comes out and it's more valuable. 
And in some way, when we go through the fire of God's test, we come out the other end and in some way, it, we're like more valuable, we're more precious. But we have less dirt within us. So there are times in our lives where God would test us. I hope that he doesn't, I'm sure that he doesn't test us with laying down a son for a sacrifice. And as I thought about that, I thought, yeah, maybe there was a season in my life where I felt like that. But as God asks us to do something, when he's asking us, he's examining our hearts. He's given us an opportunity to test our heart. And in some ways he's saying, what is more precious to you? Is it the gift or is it the giver? Is it the miracle or is it the miracle maker? Is it the blessing or is it the one that blesses you? And at times in our lives, we do need that test just to get everything back in line before God. No, he wasn't after Isaac's life. He was after Abraham's heart. So the the second thing I want us to look at in this passage is that Yes, first of all, there was an ask of God to Abraham. But secondly, there was action from Abraham. And this action was immediate. It says early the next morning, he obeyed without delay. I've often heard people say that when there is a delay, it's disobedience. Well, I don't know about that quite. But I do know that when we start to delay what God's asked us to do, then doubt sets in. And when doubt sets in, the enemy has a field game with us. He will use that doubt and he will exaggerate that doubt. And then we come so far away from that place of obedience. Obedience is even better than sacrifice as painful and as wrenching as sacrifice is, God is looking for obedience more than he's looking for sacrifice. So early the next day, he gets up. I wonder also if he's getting up early so that he doesn't have to face his wife, Sarah. What would he say to Sarah if he comes home without her son? What would he say to his neighbours? Oh, the holy man is now a murderer, killed his own son. He's one of us. He's now like a Canaanite. He got up early so that he protected what he was going to do. He didn't want a discussion. He didn't want to be dissuaded. He didn't want the crowd to have a say. He didn't want other people's opinions. There are times in our lives when God will give us a big ask and that ask is between you and him. It's an intimate ask. Yes, we are to go to counsellors that are proven, counsellors that we trust, go to our pastors, but there is a certain, certain crowd of people that we've got to keep it away from them because they won't get it. They won't understand what God is asking us to do. You know, Matthew 7 says this, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs because if you do, they may trample them and they will turn and tear you into pieces. Some people are just not ready to hear what God is saying to you. Some people are just not at that level of what God is trying to take you into. Some people can't carry what you're about to carry. Some people can't hear what you are hearing from God. Many, many years ago when we 
were feeling the call that God was asking us to leave our home, to leave our jobs and to go to an unknown town and go to Bible college for three years to prepare for the ministry. All the people around us that loved us and and cared about us, they thought we were crazy. They thought we were stupid. I mean, Pastor Jason, you've had no formal education. How can you go and do a degree in, in theology? It was so crazy. And then we learned early on, we had to be protective of who we shared that with. It was like pearls. It was something precious. When God is asking you a big ass to take you to a new level in him, to take you to a new revelation of who he is, you have got to protect that thing and you take it carefully to people that you trust and ask their advice, but you do not cast it before everyone. And somehow the people that are so close to you, the people that love you so much, they're the ones that are the last ones to really get it. And that makes it sometimes a test of our heart. Are we gonna listen to what God is calling us to do? And when we hear that thing, we have gotta be decisive. We have gotta be determined to carry it out at all costs. So he takes two servants with him. But you see, it doesn't mean servants in the term that we think. These are two trusted people. They've done life with Abraham. They've got his back. So out of all his his crowd of workers, the people that was in his household, he picks out two people to take the journey with him. And we do need people to take the journey with us to a certain, certain step. So he takes the two servants and of course he takes Isaac, his son, who is gonna be the sacrifice. We've gotta be careful who's around our crowd. We've got to be careful who we share these nuggets of wisdom from God. Iron sharpens iron. And we can easily be affected by wrong voices and wrong choices in the friendships that we gather around. So he decides that he's going to obey without delay. And he's going to not let any distraction or doubt come in. He's not going to allow any dissuasion. He's going to be decisive. He's going to be determined. But also he's going without any details. He's got the bare minimum details. Go over to that area. Go over to that country. Go over to that region. And I'll show you on the way. I'll show you when you get there. Now, this is a hard thing to do. But it's something that Abraham has already proved in his life. He has already left his home. He's already left his territory and his family. He's already set out on the word, just go. And he has set off. So he's, he's, he's already reached a certain degree of passing the test to the next level. You see, God won't ask us a big ask if it's too far from what our experience is in him. He takes us on journey after journey after journey. It'll start with a little ask and then another ask and then another ask, and then another ask, until we're ready and able to have the faith to go for the bigger ask. Go to a mountain, to an area that I will show you. He's an expert. He's built up some faith in this, and he's learned to go step by step. Isn't faith measured by movement? If we just sit still, then surely we're not going to show any faith. And as he steps out, 
He steps out of his comfort zone. He steps out away from his wife and his home and he, he's got his son there and he's not sure what God's going to do but he, he just knows in his heart that he's coming back with his son because he says in verse 5, we will worship but we're coming back. He doesn't say, I'm coming back. He says, we are coming back. But the other word he says, we will worship this to Abraham, this sacrificial walk, this faith walk, it's an act of worship because he's obeying. When we obey the words of God, when we obey the ask of what God asks us to do, it's an act of worship. We're going off to worship and then we're both coming back. He could not do this alone. Even though he's stepped out before, even though he's understood the faith needed to go into other territories and just go at God's word, he needs the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit today. Isn't the Holy Spirit meant to be our helper, our enabler, our anointer, our advocate? He is the one that helps us go step by step. He is the one that helps us lead on. He is the one that pulls us into praise when we don't feel like praising. He's the one that pulls us into trusting when we don't feel like trusting. He's the one that pulls us into hoping when all hope is gone. He's the one that pulls us towards Jesus when we want to run away from Him because everything is overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit is the one that's holding on onto us and pulling us closer and closer to Christ. Every step we take in worship, every step we take in faithfulness, every step we take in obedience. You know, it must have been so unsure, but the Holy Spirit was taking him on. He must have been so scared, but the Holy Spirit was taking him on. He must have think, oh, what am I doing? What is my wife going to say? But the Holy Spirit was taking him on. We need the Holy Spirit to take us through this life. Just getting through what we're getting through right now. God does not intend believers to live this life on their own, in their own strength, working out the way themselves. No way. The Holy Spirit has promised to be by our side. The Holy Spirit has promised to go before us and be our helper, our nudger. He is our safety. He is our friend. And I know that Abraham, even though he was a great man of God, this was not a natural strength, but a supernatural Holy Spirit strength. Hebrews 11 says this, in faith, when God tested Abraham, he offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. Even though Isaac was the promise from God and that through Isaac, Abraham was going to see all his family expand. He, it was going to go, uh, his, his descendants would be more numbered than the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. Even though God had promised all that stuff, God, Abraham was willing to trust God that much because he believed that God could raise him from the dead. He believed that God would make a way where there seemed to be no way. Not one minute do I believe, reading through the scripture, that Abraham seriously believed that God was asking for the death of his son. He knew that God was asking for his heart. He believed. 
I don't know how, but he believed that God could raise him from the dead. Isn't that a direction towards what Jesus has done for us? He knew that his wife's womb was dead, but God raised it to life at 80 years of age and that they had this child, Isaac. No, he knew Isaac will not die. We are going up to worship and we are coming back. In verse eight, he says to his son, God himself will provide a lamb for the offering. He knew it. He was sure of it. He knew that God wouldn't fail him. He knew that God would make a way even though there seemed no way. He knew the character of God, that he was trustworthy, that he was good and that there was hope in him and that there was healing in him and that all he needed to do was to obey even if he didn't quite understand. As I said before, I can't imagine what it's like to be called to put your son on the altar. And as I was talking to God about that, Why did you even write that in the Bible? And then I was brought back to remember there was a time when I felt that I put my son on the altar. There was a time where I felt that I sacrificed my son for doing God's will. About 18 years ago when we felt the call of God to come to Northampton from the town that we lived in in Budley, my son, our son, our eldest son was 19 years of age. We had no intention of him ever leaving home. We'd built a flat on the side of the house so he could stay there till he was 32 or whatever. I wanted my kids around me forever and ever and ever. I never wanted to live in different towns. And yet here was this call to come to Northampton and it was too far away. And I could not believe it when my son said, Mom, Dad, I I ain't moving with you. I've got all my friends here from school. I've got my college friends. I've got my job. I don't want to come to Northampton. At that time, I had a choice. Do I stay in the town where my son's going to stay? Or do I step into what I think God is asking me to do? As you know, I stepped into what I thought God was asking me to do. But the first 12 months of living in Northampton, for me, I was mourning the loss of my son. To me, he was a baby. He was only 19 years old. He's now fending for himself. He's, he's in a flat by himself. I don't know. I don't see him every day. And so for the next 12 months, I was limping through life. But at the same time, I knew that I was stepping into what God was asking me to do. And as I look back now, I went to see him on Saturday. And he's just, him and his wife just had this beautiful baby girl. He's got a great business. He's got a a great life going. He's surrounded by the same friends and it was the right thing to do and God caused him to flourish and God caused us to flourish. So sometimes there are sacrifices in our life that we don't understand, but we have to come to that point, that pivotal point. Am I gonna do God's ask or am I gonna do what I think my heart is saying? Even when it's my son, What I was doing, I was putting my son into God's hands. I wasn't leaving him or abandoning him or having no responsibility. But I realised that God loved him better than I loved him. That God had a future in his hands, not my hands. And so I laid him on the altar. That's yours, God. That's your responsibility. The altar. When they reached the place... God had told him about. Abraham built an altar and there he arranged the wood on it 
and there he laid his son Isaac. Isaac was a grown man and got on there willingly. And then we hear these words, stop. Now I know. Didn't God know his heart already? Sometimes there's some things that God asks us to do because he's not only testing our hearts, he's revealing our hearts, not really for him, but for us. Although God says, now I know, what are you saying, Abram? Now you know, now that you know that you can step into my will, you will have confidence to do it completely. And there are seasons when God takes us through something that's painful, through something that's uncomfortable, because he wants to show us what's in us. And sometimes we're quite surprised at what God can do through us when we yield our life to him. I'm reminded of Jochebed, Moses' mother. There was a season in her life where she could hide him no longer. Remember, she was a slave, and at the time they weren't allowed to have baby boys because the Pharaoh of Egypt was slaughtering them. And then when Moses got to three months old, he was too noisy. You know, you can't keep a three-month-old baby quiet. And so she made him um, a, a basket and put it on the river, a river that had crocodiles, a river that was dangerous. But what she was doing, she was saying, Lord, Lord, I am going to sacrifice him into your hands. And as she let him go, she wasn't letting go of responsibility of her son. In fact, she was increasing responsibility because if she hadn't have let him go, Moses would have surely died. Sometimes we're holding on to things too tightly and too long and it's going to die. You need to let that thing go. Because as we know, Moses then led the people of Israel into freedom. Jochebed didn't see that, didn't know that completely. All she knew that as a mother's heart, she was sacrificing being with her baby. It was painful. We can't see the end. We can't see the future of the ask that God is asking us to do. We've got to put our stuff, we've got to put our heart on the altar. We've got to put our pain on the altar. We've got to put our success on the altar. We've got to put our ministry on the altar. We've got to put our careers, our houses, our cars, everything that we hold so tight and so dear to us, we've got to put it on the altar. It's not that God wants to take everything off us, but we have to have it balanced. They have to be in the right place. Only God can have our heart. What is your Isaac today? What is it that you're going to find so difficult if God asks for it? What is it that you cannot bring to the altar or you struggle or you don't even want to consider bringing to the altar? We've all got the Isaacs in our life. But when we bring those Isaacs to the altar and we lay it down and we sacrifice it and we put it into God's hands, we're saying we're putting it into your hands, God. Now it can flourish. Now we can be used. Sometimes we, we can't go further in God because our, our hands and our arms are carrying too much stuff. And God's saying, will you just let that go? But I need it. I like it. It helps me. It makes me feel good. Let it go. Let it go. Because God needs empty hands to fill with the next step, the next future, the next thing that he's calling you to do. You can't hold on to Isaac and get Jehovah Jireh. You haven't got enough arm space. So the answer came. Suddenly, Abraham, he sees and he hears a ram in the thicket. There's the provision. 
the sacrifice, he then gets it and he sacrifices it as a burnt offering instead of his son Isaac. And so Abraham calls that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Latin for provide is pro videra, which means before vision, before I see, see beforehand. Jehovah Jireh is that God sees what we need before we see it. He sees what provision he needs to provide for us before we even realise it. The ram was already in the thicket. You know, Abram was climbing up the mountain on one side in pain and anguish with his son by his side with the fire and the wood and up the other side of the mountain at the same time was God climbing with the ram round his shoulders, the lamb that was going to be slain. And so as they get to the peak, the lamb is already there. It's been in that thicket all that time, but it took the obedience of Abraham before he could see the provision. You see, the altar comes before the provision comes. The sacrifice comes before the providing comes. The obedience always comes before your provision. He's climbing up 5,250 feet or more. Don't you realise that at that level, at that height, rams are not found. This was a miraculous ram put there by Almighty God. It was a hidden provision hiding in the thicket. God has got your provision, but right now you can't see it. It is hidden because God is waiting to you to answer the ask. He's waiting for you to obey. He's waiting for you to put that thing on the altar. God's provision always follows obedience. Jehovah Jireh is the God who sees. It's like saying, I'll see to that. In other words, God sees it and he's going to provide for you. He sees what you need before you see it yourself. On the third day, in verse four, on the third day, Abram looks up and he sees the place in the distance. He sees the mountain range in the distance and that's when he decides, you guys stay here, just me and the boy are going. It puzzled me. What did he see in the distance? He saw Mount Moriah in the distance. Mount Moriah is in the same vicinity of Calvary. Did he see the future in the distance? Was this a prophetic act? Was the word sacrifice really meaning a future of what was coming in Jesus Christ? Because this was in the same place, the same vicinity that 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ, the one and only beloved, promised Son of Almighty God, would also lay down his life as the ultimate sacrifice. But this time, there was no provision. There was no substitution. Jesus died. He laid down his life for you and for me forever, once and for all. And then on the third day, he rose again in glory, in victory. On the third day, back in Genesis, it's telling us, on the third day, Abram looked up, he looked across, and he saw the future vision. He realised that the sacrifice, the ask that God was asking him to do was much, much more than his little life, than more than his Isaac, more than the generation that he currently lived in. 
but he realised that the sacrifice he was about to enact prophetically was about the generations to come. Generations to come so many years after it was about the one and only son of promise. The one that was obediently following, just like Isaac. The obedient sacrifice. The one who also carried the wood on his back. That God himself, says Abraham 2,000 years before, God himself will provide the lamb. Points two, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaac was spared, but Jesus was not spared. Jesus is the ultimate provision of what we need, even when we don't see that. When we were still sinners, we couldn't see that we needed Jesus. You might be watching online today or in this house today and you really can't see how you need Jesus or why you need Jesus. But you see, God saw it before and one day you will realise, one day you will get it because God is your provider and he's already made provision for you even before you realise that. You need to ask for that provision. I want to ask you today, what is God asking you to do? Is he asking you to Obey something. There's something you might need to do so that you reach the provision that you want. It only follows after obedience. Maybe today you need to come to the altar. And I'm going to do something pretty different today in this house. And whether you're online, I'm going to give you different instructions. If God is speaking to you, and maybe there is something in your life that you need to bring to the altar. I want you to act prophetically like Abraham did. I want you to come out of your seat and find your way down, down, down to the bottom of this church here. Come to the altar. There is no big fancy altar, but the Holy Spirit is here. You don't even have to wait for me to talk. finish talking. You can come now, come now. Come down the steps, come down the steps. Come to the altar as a prophetic enactment of what God is asking you to do. Some of you need to bring something to the altar. You need to lay it down. Come down, there's plenty of room. No one will come near you if you don't want to. People will pray over you if you want that. Because come down. There is an altar place here. There is an altar presence here. As the band plays behind me, the Holy Spirit presence is here. The altar of God is here. And for some of you in this place right now, you need to bring that thing to the altar. You have to bring it down and lay it before God. You've been carrying it too long. If you are watching at home, then stand up and lay that thing down. Just make an enactment, a prophetic enactment that you are going to lay down, lay down that thing that is too difficult for you to let go of. Maybe for some of you, it is an addiction. Maybe for some of you, you just shop too much. Maybe you spend too much. And it isn't a bad thing what you do, but maybe it's got your attention too many times. Maybe it's taking your time up from reading your Bible, of praying, of being with God. Maybe there's some stuff going on in your life and it's more important to you than coming to church, more important to you than praying, more important to you than Jesus Christ. Then bring it, bring that thing to the altar because there is a freedom in here today. There is a sense of God's presence that He is going to set people free, that He is going to take hold of what holds you and He is going to set you free. 
Maybe in this room, maybe at home, you've been holding on to that broken relationship far too long. Bring it to the altar. Maybe there is a person in your life, maybe there is a child that in some sense you are holding on to, you are too concerned about. Bring it to the altar. God loves that child better than you do. Bring it to Him. It's time to put it in God's hands. You can't carry that thing anymore. Maybe you keep nipping into that gambling place. Maybe you can't control your eating habit. Maybe you just can't let go of your responsibilities and you're carrying such a burden and the mortgage is overwhelming you. Bring that thing to the altar today. Put it into God's hands. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who will provide for your needs. Maybe you are carrying a fear that is not of God. Bring that to the altar today. Don't leave this place. Don't take it back home with you. There is a place of freedom right now. I once had a conversation with a lady many years ago and she had a gorgeous baby, but she was petrified the baby was going to get sick and die. And I said to her, bring it to the altar. Bring your child to the altar because God loves your child more than you do. Put it into God's hands and she found freedom. What is it today that you are struggling to let go of? What is it today that consumes you? Maybe it's failure. You can't forgive yourself. Others can't forgive you. You really messed up. There is no failure too big for God. But you can't go on to your next step carrying that failure. Come to the altar. Give it to God. You weren't created to carry that junk. But God in His hands can exchange it for freedom this morning. And maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe someone has hurt you so badly. And I'm not minimising the pain that has caused you. But you can't keep going on. You can't go into the things that God has ready to give you that, that is hidden away from you right now because you're carrying the unforgiveness. Bring it to the altar. Put it into God's hands because you can't even explain it. You don't have to explain it. And if you're at the altar right now, just hold your hands up and you don't even have to say it out loud. Just say, Lord, I give this to you. I can't carry it anymore. And I know that it's blocking my provision from you. I can't carry it. I can't have the responsibility of it. But I'm placing it into your hands.